Well, we're not going to John chapter 3 this morning. We're going to be instead in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. So I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll be beginning in verse 3, looking at uh, verses 3 and 4 uh, this morning as we begin to look at uh, the change uh, that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ has within our life and the fact that we can know regardless of what we face in life, we have a living hope. Amen. We, we don't have a dead hope. We don't have any uh, hope that, that is uh, in things that are in vain, uh, but we have a living hope. Speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, uh, the Word of God tells us that if Jesus hadn't been truly raised up from the grave, then we as Christians, we would among... Uh, Every other people in the world, we are among the most pitied. We should be among the most pitied. But the fact is, he did rise up from the grave. Amen. And we do have that living hope in the person of Jesus Christ. So when your Bible's open to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3 this morning, uh, we're looking here at this text of Scripture. And the Word of God says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the grace and mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away uh, reserved in heaven for you. Father God, I just ask you to anoint this time. Give me the words now to speak. I pray, Lord, that you would give each one of us the ears to hear and prepare the soil of every heart where your seed would be implanted within that heart. And Lord, it would take root and it would grow and bear much fruit. Have your way this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question I'm asking you this morning is, have you made your reservation? Amen. Have you made your reservation? Have you made that eternal reservation that the Word of God speaks about uh, this morning? If you haven't made your reservation, then you're going to miss out. You know, last year, this past week, we went on a little bit of a road trip up to the Smoky Mountains, took the grandkids up there, had a great time. Great to be back back home uh, and great to be with y'all this morning. Amen. But last summer, we went over into the 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 uh, northwestern part of the country and so our intention was to go up into Montana we was going to go up there to Glacier National Park we we're going to ride up the highway to the sun but we missed out on something we didn't realize uh, until it was too late that you now have to make a reservation you have to buy uh, an advance ticket to be able to go on that road because it gets so crowded now they're selling tickets ahead of time so we, since we missed our reservation time guess what we didn't get to go on, on the road to the sun. We didn't get to go up there because we missed that time it took to, uh, to make that reservation. We missed the deadline. And friends, I want you to understand it's okay. It's okay that we missed that deadline. We'll have other opportunities to go. But even if we don't get other opportunities to go, it's still okay, right? But if you miss this reservation, then it's not going to be okay. It's not going to be okay for you because there's only one opportunity that you're going to have. And as you look at this, we begin to understand if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you leave this earth, guess what? You've missed that reservation. You no longer have an opportunity. So that's why the Word of God tells us that today is the day of salvation. But as we look at this text of Scripture, it ends there talking about the reservation and we're going to get back into that. And that's why I want you to know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior because if you don't, you have 
have no hope within you, you certainly don't have the living hope of Jesus Christ living within you. But as we look at this text of Scripture in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, he begins this by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He begins this text with giving God praise, giving God honor, giving God glory. All of this is about praise. It's about praise and worship to God. And so here we are on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday morning, the day in which we set aside to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But friends, I want you to understand, as Christians, every day ought to be a celebration of the resurrected Christ. Amen. Every day ought to be a celebration that Jesus Christ is alive. There's nothing wrong with having a special day, just like we have a special day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with having that special day as long as we keep it in focus of what it actually is. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ. And so when we begin to look at that, here it is that Peter is starting off this text of Scripture with a praise unto God, a blessing unto God. Blessed be, he says right here, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God deserves honor. God deserves glory. God deserves praise. God deserves blessing because of what he has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. So every bit of this is in light of the blessing of God. The blessing that not only that God has given to us, but the blessing that we're giving back to Him through praise, through honor, through giving Him glory. And so as we begin to recognize this, God and God alone is the only one who is worthy of this blessing. God and God alone is the only one who is worthy of this honor. God and God alone is the only one who is able to receive this honor and this glory because He is the only one who is able to do the things in which he is being praised for within this text of scripture. I can't do it. You can't do it. As much as your mama might love you, she can't do it. Amen. Nobody on the face of this earth can do the things that we're talking about this morning other than God himself. And so as we begin to think about that, it, what, what is he praising God about? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So as we look at this, he's praising him because of the fact that we're born again. Now last Sunday, I preached on what it meant to be born again, right? What does it mean to be born again? The fact that we die to ourselves and we come alive to Jesus Christ. We die to that old life and we are given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And so that's what he's giving God praise for. And so as we understand that God and God alone is the only one that could cause us to be born again to where we die to that old life and we come and we receive a brand new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, he says further on in verse 23 of the same chapter, First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, he says, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word 
Spirit of God. So it's only by an act of God. It's only by the mercy of God. It's only through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ that we are able to be born again. Therefore, God and God alone is the only one that is worthy of this praise and this honor and this glory and this blessing in which Peter is talking about right here. So everything within this text of Scripture right here points back to the fact that this is all a praise, an adoration, a glorification, a lifting up of the name of God, the name of the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as we understand this, we recognize we're born again. We're born again how? How are we born again? He says through through the, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so as we look at this, we begin to understand how it is, the means by which we are born again. How are we born again? He says, first of all, it is by the grace of God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to according to His great mercy. So last week I began to look at how the difference between grace and mercy. And so last week I began to tell you about the fact that grace is the unmerited, it is the undeserved favor of God. We don't deserve the grace of God, whereas mercy is God withholding from us what we actually do deserve. So grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. But we can also look at it in a different light as well grace is taking us down a few notches right you don't deserve it you can't earn it you can't work towards it just as Jesus was there talking to Nicodemus Nicodemus a very powerful influential leader a Pharisee a teacher to all of Israel and Jesus is telling him Nicodemus you can't earn your way you can't work your way into heaven so it's bringing them down a few notches whereas mercy is talking to those who are downtrodden, those who are lowly, those who have been trampled on, and God is extending that hand of mercy and saying, I know that sin has destroyed your life and utterly ruined you, but God reaching out that hand of mercy, just as we see Peter and John there in, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John in the temple as that lame beggar was there before that gate that was called beautiful, and they fixed their gaze upon him. He thought he was going to receive something wonderful something phenomenal some great money some great wealth silver or gold but here it was that Peter said silver and gold we have we none but what we do have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth rise and walk and what does the word of God say that Peter does he reaches his hand down there towards him he's showing a mercy right now there was nothing that Peter could have done for him there was nothing that John could have done for him it was through the introduction of Jesus Christ but here it is as we look at the mercy of God it's God reaching down his hand of mercy towards us knowing that sin has knocked us flat on our back not only has sin knocked us flat on our back it has killed us as we have looked at last week that the wages of sin is death we have died as a result of sin and there's absolutely nothing that we could do about it but there's something that not only God can do about it there's something that God did do about it and God is there 
reaching down his hand of mercy. Yes, it is an act of grace. We don't deserve it, but it is his hand of mercy that is extended down upon us to lift us up. Amen? The Bible says if we humble ourselves before God, he will exalt us in due time. Amen? So as we begin to think about that, it is through the power of God and the power of God alone, through His divine mercy. It is through His mercy. He deserves praise because of the mercy in which He gives to us. He deserves that blessing because of the mercy in which He gives to us. Apart from His mercy, there's no possible way that we could ever be born again. It is that very mercy that the hymn writer of Come Thou Fount was thinking of when he says, Come Thou Fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing Thy praise. When we understand the mercy of God, our heart has begun to be tuned to sing his praise he says streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise so it's that mercy that brings back praise to God it's the recognition of the mercy that tunes our heart to sing of his grace it's the recognition of the mercy that calls for songs of loudest praise that he deserves the honor he deserves the praise he deserves the glorification because of his great mercy how else is it that we are born again it is through the mercy of God but it is through the resurrected power of God it's through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ again first Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is through the resurrection. Friend, the resurrection is the most fundamental, important truth within Christianity. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would have no hope. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's no possible way that you and I would be able to be born again and have everlasting life with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no possible way that as we talked about a couple of weeks ago that we would live within the midst of the kingdom of God right here, right now, today, and there's no possible way that we would have that hope of entering into the kingdom of God in the future. It is only because of the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. So what are the benefits of this? What are the benefits of being born again through His grace and through His mercy? What are the benefits of being born again through His resurrected power? As He says right here, we have a living hope because we've been born again to a living hope. You know, that's a phenomenal thing when we begin to think about a living hope. We don't have a dead hope, right? We don't have a tomb somewhere that we could go and visit, a gravesite somewhere that we could go by and visit. You know, you go up to Memphis, you can go visit the gravesite of Elvis. You go to Montgomery, you can go visit the gravesite of Hank Williams. You, you go to, you know, all kinds of uh, war memorials and you could, uh, you know, go to Washington, D.C. You can see the gravesite of the, the unknown soldier, right? And you can go to all of these different memorials and begin to recognize. And even when it comes to uh, other religions, guess what? Their leaders have gravesides, but our leader doesn't have a gravesite. You go to Israel, you're going to visit an empty tomb. Amen? 
You're going to visit an empty tomb. He, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? He's alive. He is no longer here. He has risen again. And so guess what? That means that we have a living hope. We don't have a dead hope. We don't have a hope in a future resurrection of our Savior. He is alive and well today, right here, right now, as our living hope. As we look in Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation chapter Chapter 1, there it is, the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle John was on this island called Patmos. He was there suffering because of the testimony of Jesus Christ and because of the Word of God. He was on, if you will, kind of an ancient Alcatraz, a very miserable place in his old age, kind of fending for, him, for himself there, suffering because he was there proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And there it is that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the revealed Jesus in all of his glory and all of his splendor showed up to the apostle John and John saw him for the first time in all of his glory the unveiled Jesus that's what the revelation is it's an unveiling and it's a revelation it's not the revelation of John and John is not the revelator Jesus himself is not only the revelator but he is the one being revealed seeing him in all of his glory and all all of his splendor and John tried to explain him the best he could and yes he did it in symbolic language but there we find in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17 it says and when I saw him I fell at his feet like a dead man here is the beloved disciple the beloved disciple that rested his head upon the breast of Jesus Christ at the last supper the beloved disciple that stood there at the foot of the cross of Jesus as he has been crucified and Jesus commissioned him to take care of his mother the beloved disciple that was the only one that was there as a male figure there at the foot of Jesus Christ while he was being crucified there it was now at his old age and he's still serving Jesus Christ the resurrected Savior on this island called Patmos as he was in the spirit on the Lord's day it was this very one that had dedicated his whole life to following and pursuing Jesus but now as he saw Jesus in his unveiled state the resurrected glorified unveiled Jesus he fell as a dead man but it's okay Jesus went on he says I fell at his feet like a dead man and he placed his right hand on me saying do not be afraid isn't it good to know that we don't have to be afraid we don't have to be afraid of anything in the book of Revelation. I hear Christians say all the time, oh, I don't look at Revelation. That stuff scares me. If you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you don't have to be afraid of any of that. Amen? It was given to the Christians of the first century as a means of hope. It's still a means of hope to us to this very day. Amen? And so as we look at this, he says, do not be afraid. Why doesn't he have to be afraid? He says, I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Yes, I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. 
Now John saw the resurrected Jesus, but he was still the veiled Jesus. He still wasn't showing himself in all of his glory and all of his splendor. But now John saw the fullness of Jesus as the word of God says that when he returns, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. And they're not going to be able to help themselves. They're just going to do about it. They're, they're, they're just going to do it. They're not going to think about it. They're not going to contemplate over it. Nobody's is going to twist their arm to do it when they see Jesus in his unveiled state the one who was dead but now is alive forevermore the one who holds the keys of life and of death they're just going to by compulsion bow their knee and confess with their tongue he truly is Lord but if you haven't already done that and you haven't done it by the time that day comes or by the time you see death you haven't made that reservation. Oh, friends, it's going to be too late for you. Amen? Now, you're still going to confess, but it's going to be too late for you to know the living hope. Aren't you glad today that we have a living hope? A living hope who was dead, but now he is alive forevermore. Well, what does that have to do with me today? Well, it is the living hope of Jesus Christ who was dead and remember why he died he died for your sins and he died for my sins and according to the word of God all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God so he has died for our sins but what does the resurrection have to do with us the resurrection has everything to do with us because it is through his resurrected power that he is the living hope today He's our living hope right here, right now today. Yes, there's a hope for us in the future that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But right here, right now today, He is our living hope. Oftentimes when you hear me baptize or you see me baptize somebody, you'll hear me say something that I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As they go down into the water, I say buried with Him in the likeness of His death. As they come out, I say raised to walk in the newness of life well there's a reason i say that because it's right out of romans chapter 6 and romans chapter 6 in beginning in verse 1 says what shall we say then are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound may it never be how shall we who died to sin still live in it or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus have been baptized into his death therefore we have been buried with him through the baptism unto death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in the newness of life. Now he's not saying here that water baptism is a part of your salvation and that's how you're going to be saved. That's not at all what he's saying. But what he's saying is that when you were born again you died to you. And you were given a brand new life. You were raised up to walk in the newness of life. And so when you go into that baptistry and you get baptized, it simply symbolizes what God's already done within your life. 
that you've died to you and you have come alive. You've been resurrected spiritually through the power of Almighty God. The old you was dead already. You were dead in your transgressions and sin and you died to that old life. You died to that old way and you have been given a brand new life through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And now today, right here, right now today, at this very moment, if you're born again, Jesus Christ lives within you. You were dead, but you've been given new life because now Jesus lives within you. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you. And the very first thing that the Holy Spirit does within the life of a brand new believer, the very first act that the Holy Spirit does within you is give you life. Because the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now abiding in you. He's given you life. He does many things, but the very first thing He does is give you life. Amen? It's through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ that we have life. Not only do we have life, we have abundant life. Jesus Himself said, John 10.10, He said, For the thief... Who's the thief? That's the devil. He said, for the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I have come to give you life and give you life abundantly. Amen? That doesn't mean everything is always going to be perfect in your life. It doesn't mean that you'll never see sorrow. It doesn't mean that you'll never experience hurt, that you'll never experience pain, that you're going to always be healthy, wealthy, and happy all of the days of your life. But what it does mean that wherever you go, wherever you are, whatever you face, whatever circumstances come your way, that the living hope is going to be with you every single step of the way. When Jesus was born into this world, he was born into this world world and the angel said that his name shall be called Emmanuel which is God with us when Jesus rose up and ascended into the heavens what did he say he said and lo I will be with you always even to the end of the age because he's the living hope so there's nothing in life as a Christian that you're ever going to go through alone there it was, John was on this island of Patmos. And you could say he was there all by himself, but no, he wasn't there all by himself. Jesus was with him. Amen? Jesus was with him. And even if Jesus didn't physically appear and show himself in a physical manner, he was still with him, and John knew that. Amen? He is our living hope. See, not only do we have a living hope, we also have an inheritance. Verse 4 tells us to, uh, to obtain an inheritance. Oh, praise God for that inheritance. Amen. We do have a living hope right here, right now, today, but we also have something to look forward to in the future, an inheritance. What is that inheritance? The Bible says right here, an inheritance which is imperishable. It's not going to die. It's not going to pass away. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. Can't be affected and impacted and influenced by the wickedness of this world. It's undefiled. It's perfect in every single way. It will not fade away. Just like that promise that the Israelites had of that land that is flowing with milk and honey. Guess what? 
They sinned against God and then all of a sudden they weren't living in the land anymore. God allowed an invading army to come and drive them out. It faded away. Now they're still the chosen nation and God still has a purpose and plan for the nation of Israel. But our promise, our inheritance isn't like that. It will not fade away. And praise God for that. And it is reserved in heaven for you. Because of the mercy of God, because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the fact that He did die according to the Scripture, and He was buried according to the Scripture, and three days later He did come to life again according to the Scripture. You now have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven for you. Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus has gone and reserved that place for you if you're born again. You see, there's only really one way that we can get the reservation, and that's by accepting the invitation. Amen? See, God sent out the invitation through His Son, Jesus Christ, God sent out the invitation through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. The Father Himself draws you unto salvation. There it is that Jesus it tells us in, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, and if anyone opens, I will enter and dine with him and he with me. You have to, you have to accept the invitation. That invitation is simply putting your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I deserve to die and go to hell because of the sins within my life. But I believe that you went to the cross of Calvary to die and pay the punishment, the penalty for my sins. And I believe that you did die. And I believe that you were buried. And I believe that you did raise up from the grave and that you are alive today. And I believe that you are my living hope. Therefore, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And according to the word of God, he absolutely will. And I I accept your invitation by receiving you into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. The simple act of faith. I believe. So as we recognize that simple act of faith of accepting the invitation that God has sent out, I ask you today as our Praise team goes ahead and makes their way up here this morning. I want you all to stand. So if you're here today, you say, Brother Rusty, I have accepted that invitation. I have. 
Well, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What does that mean? You need to give Him absolute praise, blessing, and adoration for what it is that He has done. He did all the work. He even sent the invitation. He didn't wait for you to call Him. He called you. (laughs) Amen? You need to give Him praise and glory and honor. Not just today, absolutely today, but every single day of your life. Has that reservation been made for you? So Dale and I missed out on going to the road to the sun. I get to get to hear other people tell me about it. My daughter and son-in-law got to go see it, but we hadn't been up there. Told me how beautiful it was. I saw pictures. Read other testimonies of how, how beautiful it was. You don't want to miss out. And I have no doubt it is gorgeous. But it absolutely pales in comparison to what the inheritance of those who have been born again through the resurrection power because of the mercy of God have received. Can't even be described. I don't even believe it could be thought of or imagined within our minds. Well, the Bible gives us glimpses. We have hints of it. But I don't believe that human words can put into expression how glorious it truly is. Because of His mercy and through His resurrected power, we have an inheritance. But only those who have accepted the invitation. So I ask you today, do you know that you know that you know you're to die right here, right now, today, this very moment, Jesus himself would come and to receive you unto himself that where he is there you may be also. That's you today? Can you say that with the utmost confidence? If you can, again, give him praise, honor, and glory every day, every moment, every breath. But if you can't right now, would you come up here Brother Rusty, I, I want that. I want that. Walking up here won't get it. But I'll be happy to lead you in what you need to do. Amen. You come as God so leads.